Welcome to Metaversity, uh, your first stop for everything new on the frontier of blockchain and metaverse. This is Chris and Kristen, and let's get into it. So um, I thought we'd start out with looking at some new glasses. And, and by the way, I just got a new pair of glasses and they had Ray-Ban stories there. And I thought I would just ask the question because I'm super blind uh, without my glasses, if I could get those and kind of my fears before we even get into the really cool stuff from like Meta and Apple and Google and all those folks is starting to get realized. Um, you know, the stories don't even have like a heads up display and the folks, uh, I'm not done yet trying, but the folks at the eyeglass place said that I can't get them. Not that they don't come in prescriptions. Right, you're just too blind. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing I was thinking about that. I think the funny thing is like their demographic right now um, for people who are willing to be early adopters on this stuff are going to be people that are kind of techie. And, you know, we all, maybe it's because we spend so much time in front of the computer screen and whatever, right. but like, you know, honestly, a lot of us are, you know, at varying stages of being sort of blind or, you know, just degenerative eye whatevers. And, um, so it's really, I, I guess it's kind of like they're missing the boat here because they have decided Right. That um, you don't like they're not going to support past a certain level of of that. Yeah. Not that the glasses can't do it. Obviously, they can because you have glasses now. Right. They, they just made a decision that they're not going to go past a certain point. And the funny thing is, like when you think of the Coke bottle glasses guy, like mm -hmm. the nerdy guy is kind of what comes. Maybe that's just stereotypes or whatever. But like yeah, that's what you still. think comes to your brain and those are the people they're choosing not to support but that's exactly the like demographic of people who would be willing to like try these things right. out and and for what it's worth um you know i don't have something like a degenerative eye disease or you know uh glaucoma or or any of those things um you know i have a i just have a real severe stigmatism and for anybody who's not sure what a stigmatism is basically instead of my my eyeballs being perfect spheres or close to perfect spheres. They they're more egg shaped, but you know, so it's not like it's a degenerative thing that's right, going to get just, worse or it's just kind of, yeah, it's just like I said, I, I can't, I say varying levels of blindness, but you know what I mean? Like, right. you know, you have to wear glasses and those glasses have to fix quite a lot. Right. And it's, you know, in the past, those have been very thick glasses and they, they're getting thinner every time we go. But like, you well, know, it's not like it, they're really not like there's no reason why there's well, no the, reason. The, the pair I have now are actually, you know, kind of small and the lenses are kind of small, too. Yeah, uh, they're, they're actually smaller. Um, the, the frames themselves and it, from a thickness standpoint, because I was looking at all of that, you know, Ray-Ban stories actually have to pack in the cameras and the batteries and all the stuff that makes it in there. So they've done a really good job. Right. Of putting that, that goes in the frame. That goes in the frame. And they've done a really great job of making that compact. So I think at first glance, most people wouldn't notice it. But when I put my glasses on next to it, my new ones, they're, they're significantly thinner. Right. And they can squeeze little lens, you know, lenses in there that are, uh, the technology has gotten so good that they're, like average lens thickness. I think now you can get the super thins. I could never wear, not that I want to, but I could never wear the, the super thin wireframe glasses. They would just look silly, 
but uh, you know, I can wear you know kind of the plastic rimmed ones, um, and they look they look pretty good. They, I mean, people aren't going to go, oh my gosh, he's got the right. Coke bottle bottom glasses going on. You know, they're they're they look normal. Yeah, but to your point about kind of where we're headed with some of these glasses as I look over there. Um, yeah, I, you know, I wonder if you're going to see folks like Google glass and stuff, just opt out of anything, right. You know, even remotely thick and just be like, Nope, I'm sorry, we can't do it. And because those glasses, the glass will matter. Yeah. That totally just pulls out totally a giant is. segment of potential, it's it's a concern. It's it's not so much that I want to tell everybody on our podcast 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 about my woes and getting, you know, prescription glasses. It's well, because there's a big segment that may not be able to get them. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think I like I said, you're you're early adopter group, and you're you know I don't know how big of a segment that actually is, but like it feels like it could be pretty significant of of a chunk of that group, right? So, so. yeah, I'm. Hmm. We'll, we'll have to see how it turns out. I mean, it's irritating. Nothing, Look, if anybody is actually like with those teams and you guys are, you know, listening to this podcast, yeah, do a little us, research because I, I mean, I would, my gut is that you're alienating a pretty significant portion of your early adopter group. That's just my gut. Well, with the, the first, um, with the glasses that we have up here, um, you know, this is from a company called Show Me Me. Um, and, you know, they've got a heads up display uses micro OLEDs. And I think that's the part that worries me is I know those are actually kind of in the lens because the reality is with the Ray-Ban shows, if I wanted to, there's, there's a lab out there that I can convince to not use the Ray-Ban lenses and to use lenses like mine and put like a progressive thing in there where it, you know, yeah, it, cause there's no reason why, cause, it, cause there's not a, a legit reason they just didn't want to not use Ray-Ban but, lenses. But Google glass is about to come out, mm -hmm. you know, their new ones. Well, I don't know. Are they even glass? I don't know. Not but, sure, but, um, but when those glasses come out I, as handy and as awesome as they're going to be, like, are you going to be able to get a prescription yep. in those? Yeah. I mean, how do, how do they do that when you have, you know, uh, a clear OLED screen, embedded somehow in that lens yeah uh so i don't know i'm i'm worried about it for myself and i'm sure there's a whole segment out there that would like it i mean i may just have to see what lasik options or contact lens options are out there for me because i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to miss that that yeah. uh you know tech revolution when it when it comes but so this company has some interesting glasses um i think the first thing that is going to be noticeable by anybody checking these out is the aesthetic. So where I feel like everybody else that's making these glasses are doing everything they possibly can to make them look like a normal pair of glasses or sunglasses or something like that. And, and this company is doing a crowdsource crowdfund to finance the creation of these. And it, it's like, they don't care. It's like, we got cameras, we got heads up displays people are going to know you've got your AR glasses on when you look at these pictures. Um, right. I mean, maybe that's it. I, maybe it's intentional because they understand something about why people were labeled like glass holes and stuff. Right. You know, right. A, well, a few years back <laughs> it, where, where I struggle with it is we just did a podcast, you know, a few shows back about everyday wearable AR 
glasses and, and how quickly they could come about. You know, when, when I look at these pictures, there's, there's no reason these couldn't be everyday wearable. I mean, so they kind of check that box. Uh, I worry a little bit with how thick the arms are is to how heavy their solution is going to be when, when they do come out. But they've got some stuff that's packed in there. Uh, they have a 50 megapixel primary camera. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Uh, so you're going to, in theory, be able to take some some pretty nice pictures with it. They have a, a secondary 8 megapixel periscope camera that has a 15 times zoom. Um, these all seem like creeper features, but... Uh, <laughs> like, magnify! Yeah, no, ma- I said magnify! <laughs> 15 times. I need, to, I need to check that person out and what they're doing. I don't yeah. know. Um, but it does kind of an exciting thing that that you're starting to see pop up in the specs for these new things when they come out are like the OLED screen. So they have an OLED micro LED uh, OLED screen embedded in these. So you've got your heads up display. Uh, it's made by Sony. So it's a, you know, you know, it's probably going to be pretty decent. Then um, they say it will record for a hundred minutes straight on a charge. So that's pretty lengthy. Hopefully it's got room to record for a hundred minutes or it's got some place to, to uh, place all that, especially with, you know, some of these larger cameras at higher resolutions. Um, and it'll recharge to 80% charge in like 30 minutes. So, I mean, huh? you know, it's pretty stout for what it is. Oh, and the, the thing is the price. So for about 300, they're initially going to be released in China. Uh, but they're going to cost about 370 us. So it, that's not a crazy price huh. for what it has. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. You know, I, I have like flashes in my head of like wearing glasses now, like maybe these, um, <laughs> I don't think you could quite be quite as on the slide with these particular ones, but oh, you no. know, uh, wearing them and going to see like a show and you know, hundred minutes of record time, that might be almost enough depending almost on enough the show to, to do a pirate copy of a movie or a show or something. Yeah. Like a play, you know, yeah. a musical or something, you know, go well, see something on Broadway. And if it's short enough, well, a lot of those are only about an hour and a half, you know, if you take the intermission out. So yeah, you could, you could probably get there. You could get pretty close. Um, so it depends on the show. I know that's a horrible way to be thinking of it. It's just like immediately where my brain went. Gosh, I, I have to imagine you come walking in to a theater with those things on and uh, people yeah. know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> they're, <laughs> Don't they're, mind these glasses. Yeah. They are not the way you... <laughs> They're not what you think. They, yeah. they look very sci-fi. I mean, that's why I kind of stuck that other dude up there. I, I actually went searching the Riddler? for... Yeah, the Riddler-looking guy <laughs> with his batteries and all that stuff. I, I went looking because... What are, what are the spirals supposed to be about? I like, don't know. I was, I, in my head, I saw these and I thought, I would never wear these on the street, but they kind of look cool. You know, I, so I'm conflicted, like... They kind of look. Are neat. those batteries like like double A's like strapped to the side of those? It, it, they are. Now I'm not saying his glasses are cool. I'm saying that the uh, the, uh, the the show me glasses are kind of neat. I, so like I said, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted. Like I'm I might wear those, but I might not because they're kind of obvious. I'm not sure. Um, I feel like I'd look a lot more like the guy with the Riddler glasses if I put those on. Yeah. You know the the. 
what you think you look like in your head versus the the reality kind of kind of thing um so i don't know they're they're neat they're kind of cool i'm they look like i'm way more apt to get something from google or apple or (laughs) oh yeah yeah absolutely anybody Um, who doesn't who gives me glasses that don't look like that you know what i mean like well give me something that that looks okay that what even if it has the light and i'm gonna put some like gaff tape over it or something but like you know if it's not just like immediately obvious that they have cameras and stuff inside i think i think the the voice inside of me that's sort of embarrassing is if these uh these show me glasses had come out 10 years ago i probably would wore them i'd been like look at this i got some <laughs> i got a camcorder on the side of my head and you know yep i'm sporting some some you know smart glasses um so i don't know i mean i don't know like if it's the only if it's the only game in town for a while, you know, maybe in the house might get those and yeah. Know, see. I mean, I don't think they're gonna be the only game in town. No, I think we're I about think, to have some stuff that's like pretty think, freaking epic. I think there's gonna be. I think that I think where they're gonna have an advantage is the price point. You know, at three seventy. Um, obviously, for three seventy, they're not uh, making things small, um, right? And compact. So, uh, but it puts it in the hands of of people who don't have a thousand or three thousand dollars to spend on the first gen of these AR things. It does have uh, I did read it does have the same kind of translation technology that the Google glasses have. Um, and I also saw in real has partnered with somebody and has that. So I don't know if Google was first. I didn't, you know, dive deep enough to find out if Google it doesn't was even first. matter if they're first. I mean, that's kind of the same with they're all of the them, first right? ones I saw it with and it looked pretty amazing. Yeah. And so I think that's probably, I think where you're going. It's, it's less about, it's less about who's first and more about who's actually like going to do it the best. Right. And you don't have to be first in to be the best. No, no, that's true. But um, I have a lot of hope for Google in this particular area right. when it comes to the translation stuff. Well, and you know, when you get some glasses like these that are coming down in price and the, the VR glasses that come down in price, it starts to really kind of help out other things. Um, like the availability for people to get a hold of them for even, you know, educational purposes or, you know, uh, maybe, um, uh, professional reasons versus, you know, in kind of your personal life, I would be very, um, skeptical about wearing something like these every day, like the ones we have here. But, you know, if I showed up, you know, at my job and they said, Hey, you have to wear these to do your job. I'd probably be like, okay, (laughs) you know, probably be a lot more fine with it. Yeah, um, I don't know. I I think I'm I wouldn't wear these particular ones personally. <laughs> but like if Google comes out with theirs and I oh, can yeah, get my hands yeah. on some, uh yeah, I'd probably wear those. So um and then, you know, all this technology starts to allow professionals to do a lot more stuff. I've got a, a picture of these conjoined twins. I saw these this um I saw this story this week, uh both on television and on the web and i think you're starting to see some of this digital twin kind of technology become more mainstream and people are starting to understand it it gets lumped in with the metaverse and i I think at some point it will really be a part of it and from like a virtual reality or augmented reality standpoint um and how this works i think it's you know a piece of it and will become incorporated more into it but uh, the short of it is, um, and I'll have links to it. So if you want to know the hospital names and the doctor's names and all that stuff, 
there was a, a, a set of conjoined twins um, that you can, you know, see on the, the, the board there. And they were conjoined at the head. And it was uh, one of the more difficult um, conjoined twin scenarios uh, for doing separation. They shared, you know, arteries and blood vessels uh, that go to the brain and all this other stuff. And through the help of virtual reality, they were able to use things like CT scans and other technology to essentially make a, a digital twin of these kids' brains and allowed European doctors to help these Brazilian doctors learn how to do this life-saving operation or life-changing, I should say. I'm not sure it was necessarily life-saving, but um, looking at where they're conjoined, obviously they would have had a uh, probably a pretty poor quality of of life. Um, it'd be hard to to do much conjoined in in that manner. Uh, so yeah, they were able to spend they spent like three months rehearsing in a in a virtual world the the procedure and the techniques used around it. And these doctors that had never done this level of procedure anyway uh, were able to separate successfully separate the the twins and. They have a long way to go from recovery, but they survived and it went about as, as well as it could have gone. So it's pretty, pretty neat to see that technology used. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's not the first place that your, your brain kind of goes when you're imagining the usefulness of, um, the advancements in this area of technology. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I find it interesting that, you're you're using the term digital twin on this. I mean, you can make sort of a model of it. Mm -hmm. So like, why are you using that term digital twin? Because like, you know, I'm thinking like real time data about them. Well, and and I think they had some of that, that too. So, um, you know, when they were doing the procedure, they also had the European doctors as, as backup. Uh, but I don't think that was necessarily in a virtual environment. The digital twin was... Well, they were probably there collaboratively. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, to be a part of that, I'm sure, revolutionary procedure mm -hmm. and all of that. But, you know, yeah, I, I think... I get that they could be feeding in some data in order to make the model and then they've got to kind of run the... I don't know. It just feels a little weird to be using the word digital twin. Maybe it was. Sure. And I'm using that terminology. They, they aren't. They basically said they had a digital model of where you know all the components of, of the brain that would be affected during the surgery would be so they they knew where to find the blood vessels and right. they could practice where to uh, you know make their incisions and where to make the cuts in ways that would cause the least amount of harm and, and brain harm to you know to these kids yeah and, and they were able to, to rehearse it without you know if you went in blind obviously if you make a mistake there's huge consequences. Um, and I know in the past when they used to do these types of procedures, you know, parents were often given the difficult task of picking a child sometimes, you know, what, yeah. Know, I mean, who can do that? How do you choose? Yeah. How do you choose? So, um, yeah, it's, it's neat. I'm not a hundred percent sold. <laughs> that <laughs> It's, it's exactly what, you know, a digital twin would be in sure, know, this no. scenario, but like, but it's you know. definitely a, a, a neat technology. It's definitely got a place, you know, the the interconnectivity of being able to have doctors from around the world collaborate together on a procedure like this opens up the ability for more people to have access to this kind of medical care. You That's know, it's, very true. It's not a not a first world 
Well, that's a valid point. So like when you're thinking about, I guess the, um, the metaverse and what Mm -hmm. that means for like a medical industry, right? Not necessarily exclusive to this story, but like when I'm thinking about like, you know, how, what is the practical applications of this and how does it help and how does it make our society better and all of that, right? That connect, that level of connectivity, being able to have a, even just sitting in this virtual room together, even though we are also sitting in a real room together, um, we, we don't have to be. No, we, we don't. can collaborate in a, you know, a, a very useful way mm-hmm. that was more difficult 10 years ago. Sure. As little as 10 years ago. And so, you know, we can, I mean, what we're able to do and what we'll be able to do is just leaps and bounds better than in that such a short time. And so when you like jump another 10 years in the future, having, you know, force ghost meetings with people (laughs) with your AR glasses, like they can be right there. They can, maybe there's cameras or scans of your, your space, your digital twin is also there for them and they can walk around it and, you know, they can see patients with you or maybe you don't even have to leave your home as a patient. You can actually have doctor's visits and they can see you there and, you know, you can have stuff in your environment that's scanning you that gives them okay. the information like, they uh, need. Kind of like the movie and, Baymax when he comes in and he's like, do it, you know, I'm doing a scan. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, trying to see that vision of the future and kind of where right. this technology is headed and what, what it means for, you right. know, the medical practice, uh, it, it's pretty cool when yeah. you think about I that mean, future. If you think about the old school way that this would have gone down. So let's assume that the parents of, of these children in Brazil had the money, which which they may have or may not have, I, I don't know, had the money to fly him to Europe to get the procedure. Um, they would have done that. They would have had all the expense of the immense amount of recovery time for these kids to stay in Europe because I'm sure they couldn't have just had the surgery and fly back. Right. So they would probably be there for months, maybe even years for, for recovery. Uh, and then the European doctors that know how to do this procedure, that knowledge hasn't been spread. So they did the procedure, but the knowledge of that procedure is still, um, belongs to them. It's not been shared with anybody else in this scenario. Now these kids were able to have the procedure. I'm sure the the expense of it is much less. And these doctors down in Brazil now have an experience that allows them to potentially do similar procedures in the future. And they've been able to expand their knowledge and, you know, the doctors in Europe, because I'm sure the doctors in Europe have plenty of patients. They don't need, you know, extra patients from Brazil. So there's no reason for them to hold on to that knowledge. And, and you really don't want to see people try to do that anyway. It's, it's good to spread that type of thing. And now you have these doctors in Brazil that can do the same thing or, you know, in, in similar procedures, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So. And then kind of the last one, I think, um, I thought it was interesting earlier in the week, uh, Vitalik Buterin, who's the creator of Ethereum, uh, was, was doing a speech and he cast a little bit of shade or poured water on, you know, Meta's vision of the metaverse a little bit. And, and the way he did it is he said that, um, Meta doesn't understand what people are looking for in the metaverse. 
And I think some of that's kind of true. I think some people, I think the limitations are more on technology myself personally. I think people don't know what they want yet, but until the, the hardware gets there that can support it, I think will um, be a big dictator in that. But anyway, I'm getting off track. So he said Meta basically has no idea what people want. And so they're just coming out with all these technologies like, you know, these virtual workspaces like we're in and virtual environments and, you know, developing all this tech. And it's part of why they're kind of struggling financially right now. And I, I don't know that I totally agree with that. But I don't think it's why they're financially struggling, <laughs> but sure. Sure. Um, especially their um, metaverse kind of the divisions that are working on on the metaverse stuff. Uh, and he said anything they produce going forward is going to be a misfire uh, because of that. Now, I have a ton of respect for uh, Vitalik. I mean, obviously creating Ethereum and seeing the potential there. You know, he's a smart guy. He knows he knows what he's talking about. I, well, I, you know, I think it comes down to like the, the core beliefs mm-hmm, that yes. somebody has that makes something like Ethereum. Right. Yeah, you know, like people that are making blockchain anything, right? They're, well, I won't say any, like all of the creators of things blockchain, but I think at their heart, right? Yes. If you're, if you're making something for that, like you're at your core, you're thinking about um, a more open future where you own your data, but like mm-hmm. you're more connected and it's a, a more level playing field. And I think that is a direct contrast to what companies like Facebook, um, believe at their core. They believe that they should own things that are not theirs to own. Right. Right. Like, because they've gotten away. Well, yeah, because they've gotten away with that so far. And um, I believe that, and I, you know, I'm open to being wrong. Like, we can have (laughs) that discussion. But like, um, or, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, feel free to leave comments in the, you know, wherever wherever you get your pods. But um, (laughs) my belief is that like you're seeing Meta struggle financially because they were gathering a lot of data that they're not allowed to get anymore because people have opted out of it. So the second that Apple said, I'm going to give all of my iPhone users the ability to, to say no tracking, you know, around my phone and, you know, outside of the app. Like that's not, <laughs> mm-hmm. I choose not to allow that. Yep. Um. So it's, it's um made a big impact on them. And then ultimately, I mean, we've had this, I know yeah. you think the same um, generally speaking as I do on this one, but it's like, that's been, that's the detrimental part. And that, and that all comes down to kind of that core difference in who owns what, who can own what, mm-hmm. who should own what. And, you know, of course, a big corporation that has made it as far as they have, like Facebook is not, or Meta, like they are not a small company. They are a mega giant. And they have made it for years and years and years now where they um, have been able to get away with that shit. Yeah. (laughs) That's really what it comes down to. And now people are starting to like, you know, find ways around that to not have to do that. And it, and there most of our youth now doesn't use Facebook 
for anything. They don't create accounts. Like they're not there. Right. So they're not gaining more users. They're, they're It's less and less every day. No, and so, I'd... you know, you're, you have like this, like I said, it's like a core belief problem. And I don't see any time soon that that changes for Facebook because they haven't figured out how to exist in a world where they don't own it. Right. I, you know, and the funny part is I think they'll get there. Um, I think what will happen. Well, they may start to make that shift, but they're not going to make it fast enough. That's my projection. Oh, you're, you're right. They're not going to want to make it because it, it means giving up some of, of their control. And I think you'll see a lot of that same problem with, you know, Apple and, and maybe even Google because a large part of how they've built their business has been controlling the environment people are in. And I think what will happen is some of these bigger companies and, and there could definitely be some companies in kind of stealth mode or whatever that are figuring some stuff out. Uh, but these larger companies have the money to put behind figuring out some of the hardware stuff. So what I think you may see is, you know, Meta comes out or Google or Apple comes out with some really amazing hardware for experiencing the metaverse in, and then they have to figure out how to make that hardware work with what actually becomes the metaverse that's more open and on blockchain and yeah, has I all mean, that stuff. It's not just, it's not a hardware thing or, or no, software it's thing. It's not a, you know, decentralized owning of data thing. It's like, it's everything kind of together. Right. But I think one of the key, like, failure points for a big company like Google, like um, Facebook, that they have made their money off the backs of that data and selling that data, data, data brokers and that kind right. of thing. Um, I think that's, that's the failure point you, you're seeing because they're not, they're not understanding that where we're headed, he understands. Yes, he does. But, you know, I mean, I don't, I just don't think they quite understand yet that that's where we're headed. That's what people actually want. And the, the, when the masses realize that, um, nobody's going to put up with the right. crap that, you know, Facebook's doing, for example. Well, and Facebook hasn't realized that if they get to a place where instead of just taking somebody's data and not giving them something in return for it, that, you know, people might offer up the data, whatever it is, openly, if they get something in return. Well, for sure. I mean, you have a chance for you that technically kind of stuff. get something in return. It's just whether or not you like that thing you're getting. For example, um, if if they're tracking me across apps or they are listening on devices or whatever it is, right? Right. Or they're scanning pictures of my face as I'm, you know, flipping through a data stream and they're gauging facial reactions or things that I like. The, I'm trying. I am like the exchange for all of that data is. Uh, a more tailored experience to me. Things I like, things I'm interested in. Okay. Yeah, I can you know, see that. I, and that's the trade-off. And I understand that trade-off. I feel like I understand that trade-off anyway. Maybe there's more benefits too that I'm not quite, you know, touching on here, but that's kind of the big ones. Right. So like when I think about, is that trade worth it? Right now it is. Um, but I don't know that it will always have to be that exchange. And I think what, Makes sense. to your point, what you're saying is, you know, I may choose in the future, let, let's say I'm instead of using Facebook, I'm using the social media of the future that is blockchain and it's decentralized and I control my own data. I may choose, OK, I'm going to allow 
access to this parts of data and only this parts. And I can, you know, decide on a more, um, you know, granular level. Mm, yes. And then say, this is the stuff I need stuff related to this. And if you want more data, you're going to have to show me why. Right. Why do I need that? Why do I have to have, or why do I have to give you access to that new data? Right. And then I can weigh it out then. But like, you don't just get to automatically start taking shit. Like right. that's not okay. And I think that's what has people so like upset about it. Right. And the the kind of humorous part to me is when you understand, as I'm sure, um, well, you say his name again because I can't say it. <laughs> Vitalik. Uh, Vitalik. Okay, so um, when when he is and anybody like him, honestly, um, when they're thinking about that that kind of future, they're going right. Like everybody has such a problem with Facebook and Google and all of these mega tech companies and all the data they own and you know selling it all and whatever. Like they understand this is this this is the solution, and you kind of sit back and laugh almost. At, like everybody's so pissed at it. It's like, but you also are. Nobody like those same people that are pissed about it don't understand blockchain and how that's the solution. Right. And well, it's like, oh man, as soon as you guys, whoa, I don't know what that was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it works. So as, as soon as, as soon as they realize that it's bye bye Facebook and hello blockchain. Right. Like that's where we're headed. So it's, it's kind of humorous while you're thinking about it, but it's like, you know, when you know that that's the vision, mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to be like, yeah, Facebook's has got it figured out. Like, you're not going to have that statement. He's no. never going to have that statement. No. He's always going to be poo-pooing on it because he should. Right. And t- Unless p- Facebook pivots, which is hard to believe it would. Not, uh, not, not possible. Not in a significant enough no. way and not in that direction. Right. So. I don't believe it. Not for a second. But, I mean, we'll see how it all plays out, yeah, right? Like, absolutely. I mean, um, it's all coming fast, so I don't think we'll have to wait long. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Google Class. I'm ready. Or well, whatever the name will be. Yep. But on that note. Yep. Please subscribe. Leave us a comment. And we'll catch you on the next one. 